Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here for, yeah, this flagship franchise cornerstone episode of Keeping Carlson. It's our annual Schmore Goalies board where we are going to rank every single goalie who we expect to play a game in the NHL this year and, uh, and make them into tiers so that you, dear listener, have them handy for your draft and you can know when the best time to draft a certain goalie might be and which goalies are similar so it doesn't really matter which one you get over another, but you know you want someone of that quality. We're going to tier them all for you on this show and I'm super excited to get to it, Elon. I, I like how you already mentioned how our past more goalies board efforts have been a little spotty, but it's still it's still an important episode to be able to at least take stock <laughs> of what we think we know about goalies and then go from there. I think we got it right this year, Ryan. I have a good feeling. I was listening to a bit of last year's episode. We kind of like right off the bat sort of tripped over ourselves putting Robin Leonard in tier two. We were even saying in the show, like this guy's never been like a successful volume goalie in the league, but we just love that he's like the starter on Vegas with no competition except for Brossois. And yeah, I guess I'm definitely taking some lessons from last year, I think, to make us even better this year. I want to see someone that's shown that he can be a volume starter to get like really right up there to the top. So like for Jake Ottinger, for example, which we'll get to in a little bit, I feel like... Yeah, there's a good argument why he can be with our tier two guys, but I, I'm not going to just like, because, you know, it, that's a skill in itself, right? Like to be able to play a full successful season as a volume starter. Uh, but anyways, we'll get into all of that in just a sec. We've got so much to get to. I'm so excited. But yeah, Keeping Carlson, proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. They talk about goalies too in their guide and on their website all the time. So if you've got a fantasy draft coming up, you definitely want to go to DauberHockey.com. Come and check it out for everything you need fantasy-wise. Also, Brian, we are really creeping up on the deadline for the Keeping Carlson Awesome Patron Fantasy League registration. Like, I think after people listen to this episode, they've got like three or four days. September 8th is the registration deadline to guarantee your spot in this league. And as we talk about these goalies, we're going to be tiering them based on the couple settings. I think it's a perfect sort of mix of needing goalies that both play a lot of games, but that also aren't going to have like terrible stats, right? And that's, I think, what most people care about in most leagues. Obviously, as you're listening to this episode, you might have different leagues settings uh, where you might want to change your goals and we'll talk as the goal about each goalie as we go about like sort of what we like about them in terms of which thing like volume good team like good save percentage that we're expecting but anyways for a couple you're gonna want to have a goalie that you could depend on to play a lot and do well and the only way that that is gonna matter to you is if you're in the couple and everyone's welcome and we would love to get you in you'll start in the bottom tier if you've never played before if you have played before we still need you to register there's a lot of people not actually actually we're about about 75 percent i think kevin was 
was telling us of people who played last year that are registered. So if you're one of those 25%, we've got your spot waiting for you. And if you haven't played before, you'll start in tier eight. That's going to be our newbie tier this year. But it won't be hard. If you win, you can climb up three tiers in one go. Also, we have our fast track. Last year, someone in tier six made it all the way up to tier one because they had the most points of all couple. So you have a lot of ways to climb. And also, wherever you are, it's going to be a tough, challenging league curated by Brian, myself, and Kevin to make sure you have the best experience possible. You get to hang out in our community. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend anyone who sounds somewhat intrigued, you go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You become a patron of Keeping Carlson. And then one of your perks is to get into the cupful. Brian, any final words on that or anything else before we dive into these goalie tiers? Yeah, well, we're already up to 527 managers this season, which is we've blown past last year's number, like a, a new record. And we are about, uh, I can't remember, about 15 managers away from being a, being 100 managers bigger this year than we were last year. So that's kind of like what I'm eyeing now as my present goal. And like Elon said, uh, over 75% of managers who played last year are back again for this year. So thanks to those who are back. If you're not back yet, you know, you know how, you know how to get back. And we welcome all the new ones. Elon, you mentioned all the, I don't need to go over, but if you want to just take a look and and learn more about the league and get the pitch that I'm holding back from giving you, uh, kkupfl.com is where you can find all the info about how to join and why to join and our league rules. And we really hope to see you there. And uh, like we mentioned, like you also get in our Discord community as part of being in the Cupful. So like that in itself, I think is worth it. And then the, uh, you decide which one's the cherry on top. But yes, please join us. We'd love to have you. Uh, we are for everyone. And uh, we hope you'll you'll give us a shot. Yeah, I mean, we could obviously spend the whole episode talking about our league as we do all the time in our free time, uh, planning things out with Kevin. But no, we got to get started, Brian, because we've got to talk about every single goalie that's going to be in the NHL next year, in our opinion. So let's get started. Maybe a couple quick setting the table things. Uh, First of all, why tier, Brian? You kind of explained it. When you're in your draft, I think it's strategic for any position, not only goalie, is if you know that there's like five guys at one position where you're kind of like equally confident about each of them, like you don't know who's going to be better. That may be a signal that maybe you don't need to draft any of them with this pick because they'll, well, at least one of them will be available for your next pick, right? And so that's why we don't necessarily do a ranking of goalies, but we're sort of breaking them into the tiers. Like we think these players are similar. We think these players are similar. You'll see as we go, we even get more complicated. We're going to have tiers broken down into sub tiers where we think some goalies are similar, but for different reasons in terms of value. So we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. Also, Brian, let's just talk quickly about our criteria here for how we define which goalies are good, which goalies are bad. Obviously at the high level, like I said, you want to have a lot of games. Obviously, you want to win those games, so you want the goalie to be on a decent enough team, and you want to be able to expect them to put up a decent save percentage, not get blown up and give you negative points in a night. Those are the high-level things. I know, Brian, in previous years, you've talked about things like shorthanded save percentage. You've talked about quality start percentage. What sort of Are there any remaining like underlying things that are really on your mind going into Schmore Goalies Board this year? You know, I really would like to mention like and be super upfront In the past, this has been a really painstaking process for us to rank and tier our goalies. And I feel like in getting down into the weeds about goalies, we I'm wondering if we've missed the forest for the trees on occasion. And I'm trying to learn from that and just going by, hey, this is what we know about this goalie to be true. I don't need to bury my head in a whole bunch of numbers to try and justify one thing or another. But we are also a pretty analytical podcast. So I am still keeping in mind, uh, I want a goalie who's going to get me a reasonable number of quality starts, like a 915 goalie 
who gives you 50% quality starts versus a 9-10 goalie who gets you 60% quality starts, I might go with that 9-10 goalie because they're less likely to blow up my stats on any given night or any given week. Uh, Like if a goalie is just so freaking random and has super high highs and super low lows, it kind of like it can hurt you as much as it helps you. Whereas you might prefer somebody who's a little more consistent. So I like to to look at quality start percentage is one way to to go beyond just the save percentage. I like to look at five on five save percentage. I always mention Delta Fenwick save percentage when we're uh, assessing goalies, which is a, a measure that's available. I go to evolving-hockey.com to access this number. And it's a way that you can compare how a goalie fares relative to how they would be expected to fare given how an average NHL goalie does in with the same kind of workload. It controls for shot quality, uh, shot high danger, medium danger, low danger, shot locations, and and puts it all together into this special sauce that says the goalie, uh, for example, last year, Alex Nadelkovic at even strength, his expected Fenwick save percentage was 936 uh, his actual Fenwick save percentage was 934. So he finished a little bit below his Fenwick save percentage, which gives him a negative Delta Fenwick save percentage, which means uh, that, yeah, he was a, a little worse than you'd expect the average goalie to have performed in his role, which, like, I is pretty close. He did all right. Uh, so good job, Alex Nindelkovic. It wasn't quite as bad as it looked for you. Um, and also Fenwick save percentage includes shots that miss the net. Any shot that's not blocked that goes towards the net, it gives credit to goalies for forcing shooters to miss the net. So that's one reason that I like to look at Fenwick save percentage, which is in the calculation of expected Fenwick save percentage. And Elon, the very last thing I'm going to mention that I use when I'm assessing goalies beyond just a usual save percentage is their shorthanded save percentage. The reason I do this is because shorthanded save percentage is not a repeatable stat. You know, we talk about players who go on unsustainable goal scoring runs. Usually that's, you know, a function of their shooting and it's, it's represented by their shooting percentage going way up or being on a cold streak where their shooting percentage is way down. Goalies have the same thing, but it comes from their short handed save percentage. So when they're on the penalty kill, sometimes they're killing it. Sometimes there's not, they're not, but there really aren't a ton of penalty kill minutes in the season. And a goalie's performance on the penalty kill can really, really vary wildly. So uh, if I see a goalie has really overperformed on the penalty kill in a particular year, I'm going to expect that to regress. And if I find a goalie has underperformed on the penalty kill, I'm going to expect that to regress and they'll improve uh, in their overall save percentage number. So that's why uh, I like to look at that. And that's also a reason why I look at five on five save percentage to sort of push out all those special teams numbers that really don't serve as a huge indicator of what a goalie can repeat and, and don't really describe the way a goalie plays in the majority of their minutes. And the last thing I'm going to mention, Elon, is one stat that I don't look at that we haven't talked about at all is goals against average. Like we never reference it on the show. I kind of take it for granted, I think, that everyone understands where we're at on this. And the reason we don't talk about goals against average is because it's very much a team stat. Uh, sure, a, a bad goalie is going to give up more goals, but really what has been found in the past is that goals against average is very much correlated to the quality of the team in front of you. And goalies really don't have a ton of, have about as much of control over goals against average as they do uh, control over wins, which is not a whole lot, right? Like, sure, you can steal a game and, you know, really be amazing and have some 
nights where you stand on your head. But on the whole, your team's going to give up a certain number of shots. You're going to stop a certain percentage of them. And that's it. Yeah. Well, so, but Brian, don't forget what? that we are ranking for fantasy, right? So we're not just saying who we think are the best goalies. We're talking about who we think are going to be the best goalies for fantasy this year. So I think we will kind of maybe like not mm. directly, but indirectly be referencing goals against average. We're, we're going to say that I'm really concerned about, uh, I don't know, who, who should I bring up here? Like maybe uh, Carol Vemalka. You know, he's not on a great, he may be a really good goalie. We don't, we don't know. Uh, we, we don't have a high sample size for him, but we know that he's on a team that's going to be very scary. And so, you know, right. we'll reference that in terms of maybe his save percentage might suffer he might have a low quality start percentage and yeah also he'll probably have a very high goals against average but yeah definitely i agree with you that as far as goals against average goes it's not something that i like to use to determine if a goalie is good like if he were to get traded to another team i'm not like oh this is a high goals against average guy why would right. this team trade for him yeah totally so goals against average like it, it all goes into our schmore goalies board special sauce right like that is part of how draftable a goalie is when we're talking about individual talent I don't I don't call I don't call it but you're right I started that whole spiel talking about what goes in to uh to ranking a goalie and I I moved further towards the individual talent piece and away from the team but that's a, that's a huge factor so we're looking at is it a quality goalie is it a quality team and th- those are basically the two things we're ranking mm-hmm. as we tier every goalie for this uh, this amazing episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also how much they'll play. Like, uh, I think that uh, Kevin Lankinen may be okay, and he's on a decent team. Maybe he's not the best example. I don't. But I don't think he'll play a lot. Well, there's probably some goalie that's good, but that's not going to play a lot. But anyways, well, we'll get into it, right? So Alex Lyon. Oh, God. <laughs> you love Alex Lyon. Okay. So, yeah, we've got a lot of goalie sketches. So let's just get into it. And, yeah, Brian will now be sprinkling in Fenwick save percentage and shorthand. When he's talking about some goalies, he'll be like, oh, this guy was high. This guy was low. And now you'll know what he was talking about. If not, then uh, go rewind and re-listen to that whole long spiel that Brian just gave. Let's get started, Brian. Tier one. These are the goalies that we think are your sure shot worth a high pick like very oh yeah because another thing is like risk factor which is sort of a x factor like intangible thing like how comfortable are we that this goal is not going to all of a sudden you know because we can look at all the data from past years there's also like a gut feeling of like are they going to keep it up like for example mark andre fleury is a million years old like as good as he's been and we'll discuss how good he's been but like you know there's that risk that like well he's kind of old like it's not, he's not going to be great forever right even you know henrik lundqvist really slowed down when he got into his late 30s so you know that's sort of a little x factor there but our tier one goalies are two goalies who we just feel are such sure things to you know and not necessarily to be like the top two goalies in the league i'm not saying i'm going to bet like money that these are going to for sure be the top two in fantasy points but i'm pretty darn confident they're going to be two of the top five you know and like there's not a lot of risk that they're going to like totally burn you like these are goalies you're going to be able to depend on for a ton of games they're going to win a lot of those games and they're going to have great save percentages and those are brian by the way brian and i discussed this in advance so it's not as if i'm like going to be dropping any surprises on him uh igor shostyorkin and andre vasilevsky okay easy like Vasilevsky is just like every year in and year out he's one of the top goals last year he actually didn't have like the most amazing year save percentage wise right like 916 but he played 63 games he won 39 of them and don't forget Tampa had like a weird year they had different injuries you know maybe they were taking advantage of leaving players on the IR a little bit longer and you know and in previous years he had like a 925 the year before and yeah he had 917 the year before that the 925 the year before that so if anything you could follow this pattern and say that he's got a 925 coming this year but the one thing I know is that in fantasy you're gonna be able to set your watch if you have Vasilevsky he's gonna play a lot he's gonna do well and then Igor Shostyorkin he sort of fast-tracked his way up Schmore goalies board right like last year we had him in tier three and we were saying yeah he doesn't really have a small uh, big sample 
sample size, but we're going to put him this high because he had so much success in the KHL and he's done so well in the NHL. He just really just seems like a winner. And last year, yeah, he won the Vesna for good reason. He had a 935 save percentage. The odds on Rangers games when it was just Jorkin playing versus Georgiev playing, if you looked at like betting sites, like wildly different. Like everyone knew that when just Jorkin is playing, this team has a much, much better chance of winning. And now, you know, Georgiev's gone and they've got Yaroslav Halak coming in as the backup. And I mean, I know one of our patrons actually... Schwab squad uh, mentioned that he felt like Halak left Vancouver because he wants games and he doubts that the Rangers will play him like less than 20. But I don't know. I don't think Halak at this point in his career, like I'll respectfully disagree, I guess, and say that I think Halak is there. Yeah. So that the Rangers wanted a goalie that they could somewhat depend on, but I don't think it's like they've promised Yaroslav Halak that he's going to get a ton of games. I think they'll, you know, a, a smart team should rest their goalie somewhat, right? You don't want to run Chistorkin into the ground and then have him tired for the playoffs. But I think as far as starters and backups go, like this is a, sure starter that's going to play like a very strong amount if not as much as last year then pretty darn close to it and he's amazing so yeah I'll be curious if anyone disagrees and we'll get to tier two and maybe talk about why these guys are a little bit less than the guys in tier one but I'm just like super confident in just joking in Vasilevsky there's nothing to point at with either of these guys where something could go wrong. I mean, Tampa is a solid team. The Rangers are, I think, improved over last year. And actually, I think team quality matters less for Igor Shostyorkin than anybody in the league. If there's anyone who can handle the team where that's not of great quality, I think it's going to be Shostyorkin. They're both going to start a ton of games. I was actually just listening, Elon, to, um, to Ben's interview with Arthur Staple on the 32 Beats for the Rangers. And uh, he mentioned how Georgiev, I, it was interesting what you said about the the odds, the betting odds for Rangers games, depending on who's in it, because Alexander Georgiev apparently felt like he deserved to start more than he did. But uh, odds makers and just about everyone, I think everyone except Alexander Georgiev and maybe his mom thought uh, that Shostyorkin was the better bet in that night in, night out. And uh, I don't disagree. So Shostyorkin is locked in. I mean, his whole career there's there's no weakness to be found. And last year, the question was, can Shostyorkin put together a full season where, you know, where he hasn't really, he hasn't played that much before uh, and actually be amazing? And he answered everyone by playing 53 games and putting up a 935 save percentage. Vasilevsky has had, like, I'm going to be, like, uh, uh, very self-aware over the years I was sort of saying that he was an average goalie on a really good team in Tampa, but something turned around uh, around actually two years ago is when he really started playing way above his expected numbers at five on five. Before that, I'm going to stick to my guns. The numbers tell me that Vasilevsky was about an average goalie on a really good team that protected him well and gave him tons of run support. Not that he was bad and he was still a workhorse and there were still lots of things to like. But Vasilevsky has basically completed the circuit now of being on a really good team, getting that workhorse workload, and proving that he is way better than an average NHL goalie based on his uh, the way he plays relative to his expected Fenwick save percentage. So I don't think there's any doubt. If anyone, I, I don't think I could be convinced. If you talk to me for 30 minutes late at a whole case, I don't think anyone could convince me that there are two guys in the NHL as reliable as Igor Shostyorkin and Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, and I'll just throw out there, all those years when like Andre Vasilevsky was playing like average compared to like an average goalie, that probably doesn't take into account the fact that 
he was playing so many games. You know, like, I think he had was doing something really impressive even before he, like, really upped his game. Like, just because he was playing so much and, like, being so consistently average. I think that's not getting injured. You know, there's some other things that make a goalie special. But we, we can't just debate Vasilevsky's career at this point. But I think he's probably a Hall of Famer at this point, uh, regardless of what he does moving forward. Let's go to Tier 2 now. So for these guys, we have to both justify uh, why we have them so high but also why we don't have them in Tier 1. And Brian and I ended up with four goalies that we're going to put in Tier 2, which are basically goalies that I'd be super stoked to have on my fantasy team. I think their goalies are going to, again, volume goalies. I expect good save percentages. Uh, one of them, actually, I'm a little concerned about the save percentage, but I think he's going to play so much that it, he'll make up for it, hopefully. Uh, and uh, yeah, just goalies that you know they're going to be reliable, but you know, there's one little minor thing that keeps them from being in Tier 1. So uh, those guys in order, and I guess I'll talk about them as I go. So you see Saros, number one, okay? And I think there's arguments to be made. Schwab Squad was saying that he thinks Saros should be above Shistjorkin because he's going to play so much more. The backup in Nashville now is uh, Kevin Lankinen, who has not shown himself to be very capable, though I'm curious see, by the way, what Lankinen will do now on a good team, as opposed to being on that terrible Chicago team. I think it's a very different situation, but that's a whole discussion for like the end of part two, if we get that far, you know, Brian, because we'll get to like those goalies at the very bottom. Uh, but Saros has just been so consistently good. Like, like it was two seasons ago, right, where he was injured to start and then just like tore the roof off at the end and became a Vesna candidate. And then last year was actually the opposite, right? He started insane. He was so good. And maybe one, the main reason why he's not in tier one is because how he finished the year he played uh 24 games in that fourth quarter of the season he was playing almost all the time and it looked like that got to him he only had a 907 save percentage at the end of the season for that stretch for people's fantasy playoffs where they had this goalie that they were expecting to continue to scorch for them and then he sort of like faltered like it wasn't terrible but he definitely was a lot lower than he was before so that's maybe the reason why he doesn't get to tier one but yeah he's like a volume guy nashville's a solid team He's been putting up good numbers for long enough. I think he deserves a spot here. Okay, next in tier two, we've got Connor Hellebuck, who's the goalie I was saying. I'm not so sure about that save percentage because Winnipeg is like not a good team. It's actually pretty much been Connor Hellebuck that's kept Winnipeg from being as like, you know, as bad as they could be, I guess is a way to put it. Like three seasons ago, he won the Vezina, 922 save percentage, like really like carried that team. Last year, he fell off a bit, fell down to 916. Well, I should say two seasons ago. And then yeah, last season, even further, of a fall for Hellebuck. He went to a 9-10 save percentage, but even with that, he was still among the top of Kakupful, like total scoring because he played 66 games. The Jets uh, didn't want to play Eric Comrie, even though Comrie seemed like he was pretty good, right? But now going into this year, they've got David Riddick as their backup, who I think is worse. Like, I feel like he was one of the worst backups last year. That's why Saros had to play so much for Nashville. So I feel like even if Hellebuck stays a 9-10 goalie, he'll still probably just play so much that he'll be valuable to you in your fantasy league because he's going to get you points all the time. And he'll be, even if he only wins half of his games, it might still put him with a decent number of wins. Like last year, he had 29 wins in 66 games, which is like less than half the games. But you know, with all that volume, it's still a decent number of wins. So Hellebuck just seems like a solid enough bet. Uh, So we have him in tier two. Uh, Next up, we've got Thatcher Demko. Also, maybe not on the most exciting team, but I think that Vancouver is a, sp- you know, it's almost like a little bit of like a Shostjorkin light. Like Demko's been really good, even with not being on the most amazing team. And yeah, he's had amazing runs. Last year, we called it the flammability factor, where he could just go on runs where he's winning you week after week. And then he'd have some cold stretches. And last year, yeah, he started the season not so strong, less than 900 save percentage in the first quarter. Then he was amazing in the second and third quarter. And then by the end of the season, he was falling off a little bit. But that's what happens with a volume guy, right? It's hard, but he still played 64 games. The 
most of his career. So I like to see that Demko has proven that he can play a lot of games in a season and still put up a 915 save percentage. I think there's still room to grow. He's only 26 years old. So he seems like just a really solid guy. So that's why we have him in tier two. And then finishing off the list, Jacob Markstrom is our fourth tier two goalie. Similar to Demko in a lot of ways in terms of like he plays so much. I guess you're getting the theme, right? We want goalies we're going to play a lot and not be terrible. And Markstrom, actually similar to like a UC Saros, was amazing. Like so good to start the year. He was looking like a steal in drafts for anyone who's so many shutouts yeah well yeah that's true yeah he was insane uh at the end of 12 games he had a 925 save percentage he was among tops in the league then he sort of cooled off by the end but i think calgary's in like such a good position to even help markstrom be better next year like yeah he's 32 so you always have to be a little bit afraid of him aging but calgary just got mckenzie Weger, didn't give up any defensemen and they already were like one of the top d's in the league so i think he's in a really good spot and the calgary backup this is i guess also a theme if we have a team where like you don't know off the top of your head who's the backup that's a good opportunity for the starter to play a lot it's dan vladar who did actually okay last year at 906 save percentage in the 23 games he played but i think clearly it's markstrom's net for a while until i guess dustin wolf maybe comes in and starts challenging him in a in a few years but yeah that's our tier two so once again saros hellebuck demko markstrom brian what are your thoughts on these four goalies and why we put them here My thoughts are they all have something in common and that's that they all really like they're all these big, they have a lot in common. You detailed a lot of that. They're all these workhorse starters, but they all had some of their worst games of the season at the end. All right. Like if you look at UC Saros's season, had a great first four months and then in February, the wheels fell off at 904 save percentage over seven games, followed it up with a decent March, but again in April, a 902 save percentage. So two of his worst months in the season came in February and April late in the year. Thatcher Demko's uh, two of his three worst months of the season came in March and April. The other one was November, which you sort of got at. Uh, Jacob Markstrom's worst month of the season was April. December was kind of bad too, but Again, falling off towards the end. And Connor Hellebuck, yeah, two of his three worst months of the season were March and April. And so my my only thought here, well, one actually that I just came up with was, is this coming across the whole NHL? Like, is this happening to just these workhorse guys who are all falling off? Or does the average save percentage in the league drop over the last couple months in the season? I, I'm not sure. And that might be something interesting to dig into after the show for us or actually, any. Actually, Brian, I actually just took yeah. a quick peek at our tier one, maybe top goalie, Igor Shostyorkin. He had an 898 save percentage in his last 11 games. So he actually, yeah. he should have had an even higher save percentage. He still ended the season with 935. And that was with like kind of pooping the bed right at the end. So yeah, maybe there's something there. Maybe we should, I don't know. What, what's the conclusion so, there? That just, maybe, like, so maybe the lesson here is you go and you get one of these guys like they're still i think they're still ranked appropriately and tiered appropriately but around february you start testing the trade market for them if you see them on pace to start as many games as they're starting and like this might take a little bit more diving into to see like does this happen every year does it happen to every goalie uh but this might be a a little sign that hey enjoy your markstrom hellebuck demko or saros up until january and then start putting them on the trade market and don't don't think they're going to carry your team all the way through to the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's really an interesting idea. And yeah, maybe we're not like giving this as official advice yet. But I know last year, for example, in the Cupful, I grabbed Anton Forsberg out of free agency for the last couple of weeks of the season. And he was an insane, like better than all these goalies that we're talking about, it seems, including Shostyorkin. So yeah, maybe get that goalie that's really reliable for you. Help that goalie get you 
close to a playoffs or like you know clinch a playoff spot and then yeah maybe it might be smart to just like trade that goalie for an awesome skater and then yeah pick up some other random you know like remember how jordan binnington was in free agency in all leagues because Huso had stolen the job completely and then by the end of the season binnington was looking pretty good and was helping people and i got him out of free agency also in the cup full so brian i think this is interesting advice but either way we can't take away from the fact that we're doing our drafts we're trying to get the best goalies that we expect to have yeah. throughout the season and yeah that's our tier two this is- and and you could still of course like that's the thing like you mentioned you can get anton Forsberg. you might find a tier seven eight nine we have a tier x at the very end you might find a goalie who's going to outperform these guys at any given moment during the season right that's that's just part and parcel with how to value goalies and how to consider drafting them because you might find some rando comes in and plays as well as anyone um before you move on to tier three elon i do just want to shout out thatcher demko for the season he had last year like his save percentage was 915 which is pretty good right like on 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 its face pretty solid uh going beyond of goalies who played more than a thousand five on five minutes last year thatcher demko ranked sixth in uh delta fenwick save percentage but the thing that I found really interesting about Demko is on the penalty kill, he got destroyed. So remember how I talked about shorthanded save percentage not being something that's repeatable? I'm wondering if Thatcher Demko, actually, if you if you regress his shorthanded save percentage, he might have had a season above 920. So if you're cool to Demko because, well, you know, Saros had a 918, that was better. Jacob Markstrom had a 922, that was better. I think that Demko is in a similar class as both of them. From, and and for, by his performance last year, he is actually better than both of them at five on five and just got hammered on the penalty kill. So for that reason, I just wanted to to point out that Thatcher Demko could be in line for like a career year um, just because, it, again, if that shorthanded save percentage regresses. And then the last comment I'll make, Elon, is uh, Jacob Markstrom is kind of the new entrant to this tier, right? Saros, Hellebuck, Demko have been in this position in our minds for a while. And Markstrom, I think I made a case for him to be here last year, but, you know, we just weren't 100% sure. And he's here now. Uh, We had this discussion. I wasn't even sure he deserved to be here compared to the tier three guys we're about to get to. But the reason that uh, you convinced me that he does deserve to be here is, as you mentioned, Calgary acquired Mackenzie Weger and uh, should be even better defensively next year than they were this past year, which of course will help Jacob Markstrom if they can keep shots to the outside and a high danger chances low. Yeah, I'm really excited now to find out which of these six goalies we've talked about so far are going to be the Robin Leonard, the guy that we look at next year and be like, oh man, we really blew it with that guy. Because it seems like these are just six sure things, right? To not, again, be like amazing, but to like not totally embarrass us. So let's see if it's one of them or one of these next four, which we've put in tier three. And so we're going to get to our third tier of goalies in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. And we're back, Brian. We've covered six goalies. We've only got a thousand to go. So let's go to tier three. These are goalies Similar to tier two, like I think volume starters, these are still goals I'd be very happy to have as my, honestly, tier four also are goalies I'd be happy to have as my top goalie in couple, but tier three higher than tier four for sure. Uh, and these are guys that just have a little bit more of a warning sign than the tier two guys. Either the warning sign is like, have we seen it before? Or it's maybe like injuries, or it's maybe the backup might threaten to play too many games. So let's start tier three. I'm going to start with uh, Ilya Sorokin is our top guy here. And honestly, look, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back on this next year and Sorokin played like a tier one goalie. Like if the Islanders play him 
as, like as much as you know, it's just Jorkin, as much as a Saros, you know, like I think he has it in him. He had a 925 save percentage last year. He had a great career in the KHL, much like Shishjorkin, right? Like the only difference is that the Islanders have Varlamov backing up. And the Rangers have Halak backing up, and Varlamov has shown to be a goalie that the Islanders like to sometimes play 50-50. And I know last year it wasn't 50-50, like Sorokin played 52 games, but don't forget Varlamov was injured a lot. And as we were talking about uh, yesterday, Brian, in our prep for this, a lot of the season it was just 50-50 back and forth. And then it was like before or after Varlamov injuries, where Sorokin would get a stretch of games. So maybe that was just because Varlamov was hurt. Of course... There's the upside, right? First of all, that just like this is the last year of Varlamov's contract. Maybe this is the year where they finally decide to just let Sorokin be the, if not volume starter, but at least the sure, uh, you know, 1A with a bullet, like play two or three games in a row every single time. Uh, or Varlamov could get traded. Uh, or, but, you know, maybe they'll just realize that this is a chance, another chance for them to, you know, go for the cup and they like keeping their goalies fresh. So just for that reason, we have him a little bit below. But I think, like, I could easily be, I don't want people to like, tweet, like, please tweet at us, right, with your feedback. But if you're going to tweet with your feedback being like Sorokin should be higher, like, I agree with you. Like, he probably probably should be i'm just you know a little bit less like confident in him playing enough games yeah i'm gonna stop you there because i mean in our in our pre-show talk we were like you were saying maybe he should be higher because he was starting multiple games in a row and we went to look at his game logs by the way if you're looking at a place if you're looking for a place to see uh, goalie start patterns there's this website that is absolutely a labor of love uh it's like one guy uh i who's keeps track uh manually of goalie game logs for each team and it's called hockeygoalies.org you hear us credit it regularly so i went to the isles uh goalie game log from last season and the only there was only one time that sorokin played three games in a row without varlamov having been injured or returning from an injury or about to leave the lineup due to an injury in other words they were flipping back and forth between Sorokin and Varlamov the entire back half of last year, so long as Varlamov was healthy. And I just don't know, Elon, if that's going to change this year. So while you're saying, yeah, you could argue that Sorokin should be higher, you could also argue that Sorokin should be lower because he still might only play exactly 41 games next season, depending on how the Isles coaching staff plans to manage the crease this upcoming year. And I don't think there's any guarantee that he starts 45 or 50 games even uh, so long as Varlamov stays healthy. Now, Varlamov isn't always able to stay healthy. So maybe that is a reason to think, yeah, 45, 50 at least is a good starting point. But then getting above that, I think it's going to be a really tall order. And to be your tier three goalie, I mean, look at the other guys, Anjur, Anderson, Jari. We don't expect Spoiler either of those guys. Alert. I was going to build it all up, but okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm so, I don't <laughs> see either of those guys being really challenged for starts or being forced to share the crease the way I see Sorokin mm-hmm. being forced to share the crease the way he has for the last two years. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there because a lot of this is also hunches, right? Like, we don't know. There's no right answer right now. There will be a right answer in a year from now or even in a couple months from now. We'll probably know a lot and be able to rejig this. Uh, but I, my hunch is that Sorokin is too low and that he'll quickly I, – I just have a hunch that he's going to play more. But it's not a sure thing. And when you're doing your fantasy drafts, maybe you want a sure thing. So that's where we're putting him for the purposes of this spreadsheet. Uh, by the way, Brian, we're going to do an episode before the season starts where we're going to like kind of go over what we've learned from training camp. And we might announce some changes we're making to our goalie tiers. And who knows? Maybe we'll even learn something from training camp that we should move Sorokin higher. Yeah, it's basically, it's basically a hedge to put him in tier three. He could be a tier two or even a tier one goalie. He could be a tier four or five goalie. We're sort of plopping him in the middle in a really visible spot 
so that you can make your call about if you have the hunch Elon does that he's going to play more often, even two out of every three games. Honestly, that's a, a bridge too far for me right now until I see otherwise. Fair enough. Okay, so Brian already gave away the rest. Maybe it was too fast. You didn't hear it. So next up, we're going to go to Dallas. Okay, Jake Ottinger, he had a pretty solid-ish season. Like, he had a weird season, first of all, because he didn't even start the season in the NHL, right? He was in the AHL because Dallas, for some reason, thought that Hudobin and Holpe were their options they wanted to go with. But that quickly changed. Ottinger came in, and he had some good games. He had some bad games. By the end, 914 save percentage. Then in the playoffs, we all know he, like, sort of stole the show in that series against Calgary, almost helped Dallas win that series uh but it, it wasn't meant to be reminded me a lot of thatcher demko when he had that breakout in the playoffs and just and now with dallas you know hopey is gone uh hudobin is clearly not the guy that he once was that led dallas to the cup finals a few years ago uh they brought in wedgwood who's like to me screams like oh maybe decent ish but not volume backup goalie so i'm so excited about ottinger to really get an opportunity now to show us what he can do as a full-time starter similar to like uh saros from last year you know who really got that opportunity uh so yeah we'll see what ottinger does and i feel like he's you know we're not going to put him any higher than tier three because we haven't seen him put together a full season but i know there's a lot of people that are really excited about him there's also some people like ben burnett who think that he's getting way too much hype and he should go lower so yeah this is a kind of a volatile pick but uh, this is where we decided to put him here above the tier four guys. So maybe when we get to tier four guys, we can talk about how we compare them to an Ottinger. Sure. Yeah. And I'll give you one argument to back Ben's argument that Ottinger is getting a little too much hype. And that's that at five on five, Ottinger was basically average last season. Uh, like he was a little above average, but just a little. And the way he was playing, especially in the playoffs, uh, it's uh, the way Ottinger played in the playoffs makes it hard to remember any bad moments of Ottinger's in the regular season? There were some, but honestly, there were so many games where he stood on his head and did so great. Um, so I, I think that's one thing to keep in mind about Ottinger. I don't feel like he has to worry about being challenged, but I also will put out there that he, uh, I think, was flourishing in the system created by Rick Bonus, who is now no longer there. And there's a new coach. So there might be some growing pains with Pete DeBoer there, who's also a, a pretty defensive coach as well. But putting in a new system, seeing how it works, John Klingberg's gone as well. That leaves a hole on the Dallas Blue Line. As we talked about uh, when we were talking about the John Klingberg signing in Anaheim, he's not chopped liver as a defensive defenseman. He's pretty solid. So these are reasons to think that Jake Ottinger, yeah, isn't quite up uh, as, as being that sort of lock, young franchise goalie that we're all hoping he will be. Someone I remember being in this position not so long ago was Carter Hart, right? And he's had a really hard time digging in and finding his way. I think things will go better for Ottinger. Of course, I famously said on Shmore Goalie's board last year that he deserved to be the number one. And it's unfortunate Dallas kept throwing goalies in front of him. And eventually he proved that. And I would love to see him flourish this year. But these are just caveats. And these are just like hype offsetters. Because I, I think it's important. You can still be hyped about him. But just remember the counter arguments. Because he's a guy, honestly, in drafts that I think it's going to be real easy to fall in love with. Yeah, I think that we're in agreement here. There's a high ceiling. Like, we're, Brian's giving the caveats. But the ceiling is that Dallas is not Philly, right? So I don't think yeah. that he's going to get the Carter Hart treatment in terms of just getting shelled all the time. Like, Dallas, even losing Klingberg, they're still a solid team. <clears throat> 
And, you know, you could say that another goalie that was in this situation recently was Carter Hart. You could also say another goalie in this situation recently was like a Thatcher Demko, you know, who was the backup to Markstrom. And then once he got the opportunity, really proved himself to be a tier two Schmore goalies board goalie. Which is the greatest compliment anyone could ever receive. Yeah, get excited about Jake Ottinger. Just remember, uh, it's not it's not a sure thing. But this is, these are goalies we're talking about. And Elon, in Tier 3, there's a couple other guys who have been far from sure things in the past, but look like sure things with their save percentages last season. 9.22 for Freddie Anderson and a 9.19 for Tristan Jari. They round out our third tier. Yeah, so these are guys like Frederick Anderson. They're kind of two different situations, right? Anderson was really good last year. He's on a good team. Like, uh, he also, like Sorokin, right, could easily earn himself a spot in Tier 2 or even Tier 1 in terms of when we look back on where the goalies should have ranked. But he's got injury history. Like, he concerns me, you know? He's not a young guy. And with Toronto, he had stretches where he couldn't even, like, you know, put a full season together for, like, a two, three seasons. So Frederick Anderson is, like, a guy I'd be happy to draft. And while he's healthy, I'd feel super confident in him. Not that, but also, like, Auntie Ranta deserves to play a decent amount because he's, like, really good as well. So a couple caveats, but I still think Anderson has earned his spot in Tier 3 with his season last year and his team. And obviously, you're taking a bit of a risk when you draft him high because he could get injured. But uh, just be quick to grab Auntie Ranta out of free agency if he does get hurt. And then, yeah, Tristan Jari... Like, he's not an injury risk. Like, Pittsburgh's a solid team. Like, Casey DeSmith has had opportunity after after opportunity to, like, play more games. And he has pretty much shown to me that he's not going to do it, right? I think Jari is going to be a decent enough volume starter. And it's just a matter of, like, I think he's good. Like, last year he was good. He's had stretches where he wasn't good. So that's obviously why he's in Tier 3. Like, he's not, like, this, like, sure thing to me, like a Vasilevsky or a Shostjorkin. Like, if Jari turns out to be someone who has, like, a real bust of a season this year, I wouldn't be, like, totally shocked. Uh, But at the same time, uh, after the year he had and the fact that he's a volume starter and the fact that Pittsburgh is a team that's still going for it after re-signing Malkin and Latang to long-term contracts. So, yeah, how could you not have Tristan Jari decently high? So he'll be a fun guy to compare to our Tier 4 guys. Uh, But, yeah, I think Anderson and Jari are worthy of Tier 3. But also, I think all these Tier 3 guys have the potential to be, like, worthy of being Tier 2 or 1 when we look back, but also potentially falling off. And that's why, you know, they're a little bit of a concern. So, yeah, to recap, it was Andrew Sorokin, Anderson, and Jari. Brian, any thoughts on Anderson or Jari you want to share? I'll throw out a couple on Anderson and Jari together. The first is that uh, on the penalty kill, like these are two guys who I actually think, you remember I said Demko underperformed? Well, Anderson and Jari overperformed. Anderson had a 928 shorthanded save percentage. That's amazing. Jari had a 935 shorthanded save percentage. That's also amazing. These are compared to expected numbers uh, that are generally should be in the like low 900s or even high 890s in some cases, depending on the team playing in front of you. So Anderson and Jari putting up nearly five on five quality save percentage numbers shorthanded shows that, yeah, 919, 922 might be hard to repeat and maybe they fall closer to Demko's 915 if they keep it up. I will say Anderson had a career year last season, one of his best seasons. Well, actually his best season in net last season, according to his Delta Fenwick state percentage. And this is a guy who's been steadily good his whole career. So to bring it up another level actually means something for him. And Jari, I was actually wondering, like, do I like him more? But then I, I looked at his numbers and he is, uh, 
He's got like a Vasilevsky track record, which uh, old Vasilevsky track record, which is to say he's uh, average more often than not. And like I said, he was really buoyed by a really great shorthanded save percentage last season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall off a bit. He seems like between Anderson and Jari, I'm trying to decide who I like more because Anderson seems more likely to perform well, but he also seems more likely to share the net. So long as Auntie Rant is healthy, like Carolina, we know Rod Brindamore likes to keep his goalies fresh. So maybe Anderson starts two thirds of Carolina's games and Jari gets to start like three quarters of Pittsburgh's. Uh, so th- there might be a bit of a trade off there, but it's kind of a wash if you look at both of them and weigh them. And that's why they're both in tier three, which brings us, Elon, to the guys we're going to compare them with in tier four, which features one guy that in our pre-show chat, we knocked out of tier three. Oh, remind me who that was again. Let's let's start with that player because I actually forget who it was. It was Mark Andre Fleury, who was originally in that tier three group with Ottinger, Sorokin, Anderson, and Jari. And then tier four were sort of defining as these volume starters who've had a bad season in the past. And so like they're not a guarantee compared to tier three who like have a, a small concern, but you know, they're they look pretty clean otherwise. And our guys in tier four don't have such a clean, clean track record as the ones in tier three. And Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't have such a clean, clean track record. And uh, he's old, right? Like Marc-Andre Fleury is getting up there. Uh, and also he has not been consistently good in recent memory. So I think, uh, like, I, I could see the argument. He's playing for Minnesota. They're a great team. This is a team that has famously made Devin Dubnik look great year after year after year. And I don't think a whole lot has really changed in the type of style of hockey they play. But Fleury's going to be 38 at the end of November. And, uh, like, just looking at his recent career numbers, if you look at his raw save percentages or his Delta Fenwick save percentages – there's one season that looks really great. That was 2021, where we thought Robin Lehner was a tier one goalie, only to be terribly outplayed by Marc-Andre Fleury with a 9.28 save percentage. But really, that season stands alone over the last four as being a really outstanding year for Fleury, who, again, is going to be 38 in net this season. And that's just too big a concern for me to put him in with those tier three guys. Yeah, but of course, at the same time, we're putting him here because there's a good chance he could still be really solid. Of course. He last year had a 9.08 save percentage overall. Part of that was on that terrible Chicago team. Then he came to Minnesota for a very short stretch. And of course, with Cam Talbot gone, we expect that Fleury should play a lot, right? They've got Gustafsson, who Brian's been a fan of before. That's who uh, they got back from the Sens in that Talbot trade. But yeah, unless something surprising happens, like last year, I kind of thought that Fleury and Lankinen could kind of share the net in Chicago, and that clearly didn't happen he was clearly like a lot better according to the coaching staff and like you know i don't disagree with them and yeah i think next year there's a really solid chance that he's a volume guy and a good team and he could even if he only puts up like a 9 10 save percentage like that's similar to what connor hellebuck did last year and that we've got him in tier three two we've got him in tier two right just because he plays so much and i think flurry has the chance of course the risk with flurry is he's a lot older than hellebuck so there's a bigger chance that he won't be able to handle playing as much as like it seems like he should play a lot based on like who else is there at the end of the day like if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup and you're the Minnesota Wild, do you really want to run Marc-Andre Fleury into the ground? So maybe they do give Gustafsson a good run or they try another goalie if Gustafsson can't handle it. Who's next on the depth chart, by the way, in Minnesota? Do we have that uh, name available to us right now, Brian? 
Well, the next name that I think people will think of when they think of the next goalie in Minnesota is Jesper Wallstedt, who is, uh, how old is he? He's 19 years old. He was drafted 20th overall by the Wild in 2021. And I, you know, we'll be watching in camp to see how close to being NHL ready he is. But the truth is not a lot of players uh, in their teens or even early 20s or even mid 20s who play goalie are ready for the NHL that young. Uh, if I'm looking at Iowa's uh, depth chart, the, the wild AHL affiliate uh, to see who else is in their system, I'm seeing Andrew Hammond, Zane McIntyre, and Derek Barabo. It's the three goalies who played the most games there. So I guess uh, Zane... McIntyre, if he's still, oh, he is still under contract with Hunter Jones. So perhaps those two uh, might have a shot at competing with Gustafson. I guess Zane McIntyre would be the one. Uh, a one time Boston Bruins crease challenger, if I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> in Zane McIntyre. So yeah, not a whole lot for Gustafson to contend with in all likelihood. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll get to him later in the show. I don't think he's going to push Flurry too much, but I think there's a chance he's a good goalie. Yeah, so that's the flurry situation. I'll be curious to hear if people think we have him too high or too low. Uh, then next up in tier four, let's put Elvis Merzlikens, who I like, like, I like Elvis Merzlikens. I think we've talked about him a lot on like Patreon casts and recent shows. I just have a hunch. This is like a hunch. I, I, I might even put him in tier three, like, but I won't put him in tier three because you don't need to, because you don't need to draft him so high. Like, again, this is sort of supposed to be a tool for your drafts, but I think that if you can get like, you know, a good skater, you know, and lots of good skaters in the first few rounds, and then you fall and then you get Merzlikens early. There's risk here, but I think he could end up really helping you this season. Like last year, he was a pretty high volume guy, like 59 games, had a 907 save percentage, which isn't great. But, you know, Columbus was, first of all, a rebuilding team. They had just traded away Seth Jones for guys who they expect to help them in the future. And I think people are saying that this trade is turning out to look really good for them. Uh, and now, you know, all these players that they got are a year older. I think that, you know, they've just acquired Johnny Gaudreau, which I think right away makes this team more of a contender to win more games. And I think Elvis obviously had all that off-ice situation. He was affected by uh, the death of his friend Kiv Lennox, uh, who was a goalie in the system. And, and I just feel like last year, you could have excuses for why he didn't put up those numbers. Because if you recall, Brian, a couple of years ago on Shmore Goalies Board, we were talking about Merce Lickens as like an up-and-coming like top prospect. You know, a guy who we really expect to be like the Ottinger. You know, like Ottinger similar hype. But it was for Merce Lickens a couple of years ago. And so I feel like it should maybe still be there. Like, I'm not that concerned about him. I think, Colum like I said, it's okay. I think Columbus will be better. I think Merzlikens is going to play a lot. And I think he's better than his numbers from last year indicated. So, yeah, I think he's here in Tier 4. Like, I can't justify putting him higher after last season. And because Columbus isn't, like, the most amazing team. But I that's another hunch guy for me. If you if I end up with Sorokin and Merzlikens in my draft, and also a lot of good skaters because I let people swing on higher-ranked guys, I'd be very happy. For sure. Yeah, Merz Likens was someone I was really high on going into last season because he showed so much promise in basically his first season of big time action in the NHL in Columbus. He was clearly the better goalie uh, than Eunice Corpusall. Remember, they took turns uh, going back and forth, going on these great runs when the other one was injured. Like neither one could get into a rhythm, but then Corpusall got injured and Merz Likens just went nuts. And then Merz Likens got injured and Corpusall went nuts. And we sort of looked at both and we're like, yeah, I think Merzlikens is going to win the job, but he actually hasn't 
had as successful a season since that rookie campaign. And of course, you had the, the COVID interrupted year. And then you had, as you mentioned, Elon last season, where, you know, he said he was going to play amazing. He was really motivated to play well for his friend who had died and uh, also for himself. And then it seemed like that was too too big a burden for him to carry through the whole season. There's a really sad interview where he was like, yeah, even like the sound of like the cannon going off, like was jarring to me. And it made me feel uncomfortable and brought back memories of the incident. So I am uh, like, I would love, I would love Merzlikens to have a good year. And he's a, he's a great target. Cause as you mentioned, I think he's a good goalie. I think Columbus is going to be an improved team. I think they're going to be a pretty a pretty tough team to score against so long as Merzlikens stands tall. And I, he's the only one right now who's looking uh, like I, I don't think he has any competition is what I'm trying to say here. Like Eunice Corposalo still on the team, um, but I, th- I think that goaltending competition is over. Uh, as I think it was rumored that they were actually trying to trade. Corpusalo, not so long ago. Yeah. So yeah, there's my take on Merzlikens. And uh, who's next in tier four? Yeah, I think at this point in Columbus, it's like Tarasov will one day be there yeah. and Corpusalo is there to back up. But yeah, it's kind of like with Casey DeSmith, like I said before. At one point, we thought maybe there was a chance he could be decent, but it seems like now he's just a backup. Uh, yeah, so we've got three more guys in tier four. By the way, tier four is going to finish off the goalies that I think are like guys who have potential to be like volume starters with a lot of wins and do really well and potentially be, you know, guys we look back at as tier one guys just with some risks. Next up, Darcy Kemper. Okay. Last year, he won the Stanley Cup. He had some really good runs on Colorado at the start of the season. He wasn't looking that amazing. And I remember at one point, Brian, you were suggesting that maybe, uh, you know, like Francois could end up playing more. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. Francois started, I believe, injured to start. Anyways, it was, it was a weird season for him. But at the end of the year, he really heated up. And then obviously, did, it wasn't amazing in the playoffs, but he was good enough to help Colorado win the cup. Obviously, I think a lot of goalies would have been okay enough to help that amazing team win the cup. Now he goes to Washington, where he's expected to be the volume guy. They brought in Charlie Lindgren, who wasn't even in the league last year aside from a few games where he was incredible with St. Louis in those games. But yeah, I think the plan is for Kemper to be started. They've signed him to a long-term contract. Like, there's a lot of reason to expect him to be good. Uh, The reasons, though, to be a little bit concerned are A, he's 32. Uh, B, he's had some injury history. Like, he's not someone you could maybe depend on, kind of similar to, like, a Freddie Anderson. Like, I don't know... If I'm like going to say right now that I think Kemper's going to stay healthy all year, I think if I had to bet on it, I'd say that he's probably going to miss at least a little bit of time. No jinx, of course. Uh, also, he is on a team with Washington that last year, you know, neither of their goalies were able to do very well. And, you know, it's hard to say, like, how much are we going to blame it on Vanacek and Samsonov? And how much are we going to blame on just the team being bad? But clearly, it's not like he's going into a spot where people have been thriving recently. It's not like back in the day when Holpe was putting up Vesna winning seasons, you know, and was insane. Like, it's been a while since we've seen a Washington goalie really be incredible and so uh yeah i don't want to just bank on it now that kemper is going to come in and be incredible on this team so yeah that's our next guy in tier four and here i'll bring up uh the other two brian then you can just comment on them both next up okay very similar situation jack campbell okay a guy who also is starting on a new team in edmonton has been signed to a long-term contract i think i like kemper better than campbell mainly because i think that Stuart skinner is a really good goalie who may be you know a future really good goalie in the league and we'll see how long campbell can hold on to being the starter but i think at least for next year at least to start next year campbell comes in as the presumptive starter that's good they're going to want him to play at least like 50 plus games that's why they're paying him all this money uh last year campbell started incredibly uh he he was fantastic and again like this pattern we've started to notice he really fell off at the end for the leafs 
uh, by the end of the season, he had like after he had a 944 and 931 save percentage in the first two quarters, he ended the year below 900 save percentage in his final 24 games. It all came together as a 914 save percentage, but really it was like the tale of two seasons. Campbell also has had some injury risks. Uh, so that's, there's lots of reasons to be concerned about him. But Edmonton, you know, that's a team where if you're their goalie, even if you have a bad game, you have a good chance to win just because they score so many goals with McDavid and Dreisaitl and company. Uh, so if, if you have the guy that they are paying to be their starter, you've got to be at least somewhat comfortable to have him in fantasy and hope that he'll do something for you. So we have Campbell there in tier four. And then the final goalie that I'm confident in saying, I think that the for sure starter going into the year by a decent amount, and I think the team is solid, and I think the goalie is capable of doing really well. And this is tricky because last year he burned us, but Jordan Bennington is back, you know, in this category, even though last year he fell into free agency in like all leagues. But look, like St. Louis had the opportunity, or maybe they didn't, I don't know, but they, you know, they didn't re-sign Vili Husso. They signed and said Thomas Grice, who that's like a Halak signing, right? That's like a sure thing backup. Like we have confidence that Bennington is going to be our starter that we're going to have to play a lot of games. And you know what? As bad as he was for the first, uh, you know, couple quarters of the season, he, he was okay by the end, and he gave St. Louis a chance to win games. He was actually the better goalie in the playoffs. It's too bad he got injured. Maybe we would have seen St. Louis go a little bit farther. Who knows? Uh, they, they were the only team, I think, to push Colorado at least a little bit. Uh, so all of that said, Bennington, obviously a big risk after what he did last year, but St. Louis is a good team. Looks like they planned for him to be a volume starter, and he's been really valuable in fantasy in the past. So I don't think we could have justified putting him with the guys who we're going to have in Tier 5 and below. Actually, I do have one guy in Tier 5 that maybe we should have here, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, that rounds out our Tier 4. So once again, we've got Elvis, Flurry, Camper, Bennington, and Campbell. And I think, like I said, that rounds out all the goalies that I'm somewhat look very confident i don't want to say too confident because i'm for sure a few will be wrong but like very confident that they'll be starters on good teams play a decent amount win a decent amount have good save percentages yeah we've now named 15 goalies across four tiers and that is uh, what appears to be the number of starters that you know are going to be starters that are, you're going to get a majority from and even amongst that group i already flagged like sorokin and freddie anderson in tier three as guys who might not have like a true workhorse starters workload and might be closer to a timeshare even though they're the clear number one guy uh, in the tandem so keep that in mind. That's that's the entire number that's available. But here in Tier 4, Elon, you mentioned Merzlikens, Flurry, Kemper, Bennington, and Campbell. I can tell you only one of those five goalies outperformed their expected save percentage last year. Do you want to guess who it was? I'll say Flurry. Wrong. Do you want oh, to guess again? Okay. I'll say Darcy Kemper. I can tell you have food in your mouth while you're guessing, which just adds to the guessing game. You're right. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. It's Darcy Kemper. Uh, I, I don't know that I would have guessed that without looking at the numbers. I think a lot of us said, yeah, Colorado carried him. And even I said that when Colorado won the cup. I'm like, yeah, they won the cup not because of Darcy Kemper, not in spite of him either. But they basically, they needed a goalie and Darcy Kemper was a goalie. Uh, and good job, Darcy Kemper. But through the season, Kemper uh, did better. Relative to his workload, then Merzlikens and Campbell, then Bennington and Fleury. And I think that's worth something. I've actually found him going like pretty reasonably late in my mocks. And I think, I mean, of course, I'm blowing up my spot a bit here, but he's going to be a target for me if he keeps falling to where I, 
I see him falling um, too. He is still uh, like sought after as a volume starter. I'm just checking at his mock ADP and I'll look a couple mocks so far. He is going up roughly 104th overall. He's gone as early as 75th and as late as 127th. Thanks to our uh, Kakupful coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, for compiling that data and like all the data for us. Kevin, you're amazing. If you get an email from Kevin, you're very lucky to, to be the, the target of his attention. He's doing a great job. Uh, but back to our goalie tiers. Uh, I think that's a reason to really like Darcy Kemper going into this year. Honestly, that's his five on five save percentage. He also played well shorthanded, but not like so well that I have to worry about him. And then Marc-Andre Fleury, I've talked about. Merce Lickens, I've talked about. Binnington, honestly, Binnington's season last season was the outlier. It was the first time in his career that he hasn't played above his expected save percentage. In fact, on last year's Schmorgoli's board, I was busy convincing you, Elon, that we need to we need to bump Bennington up our draft boards because even though it, it, I think at the time his recent history didn't look so great, his career his track record did. And there was an, there was enough there to think, yeah, this guy's actually good. Let's not forget about him. And anyone who listened, I'm sorry, because we should have forgotten about him until, as you said, Elon, later on in the season. Uh, but I am still optimistic that he is a legit number one goalie in the NHL. And Tomas Grice is not going to push him for starts. It's been a long time since we've seen Tomas Grice put together one good start in a row. Definitely two good starts in a row. Uh, and then Jack Campbell is like your wild card, right? Like he, he could be up and down through the season last year. Depends. It was a tale of two seasons. He had uh, some incredible bits and then some really unimpressive bits that really would have sunk you. So uh, with that said, yeah, I think out of this tier, I think they're all evenly placed. I like them being in a tier. If I'm going to rank them within the tier, I think I'm going to go Kemper, Biddington, Merzlikens. Oh, and then I don't know. It's a toss up between Campbell and Flurry. But honestly, I I could I could just I could wake up tomorrow and be like, no, I'm going to change them all, which is why they're all in our fourth tier together. Yeah, I'll have Merzlikens number one. It's just a hunch. Okay, Brian, I'm just going to throw out a name to you of a goalie that we currently have in tier five A, and we'll explain why we have five A and five B shortly. I have I have a goalie that I'm starting to think we should put in tier four. So I just want to have that discussion now, and you tell me if you think that I'm being dumb here. Okay, if I get the goalie right, is it is it a done deal? Like, do we just move him up? I see two. All right. Well, I I see one. (laughs) Okay. Who do you have in mind? I Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, I'm thinking, but like, I guess like last year we really thought that Bobrovsky and Knight were going to split starts because Bobrovsky had been coming off a bad year and Knight did well in the playoffs. And then like early on, we heard news that you know what, like Bob is going to be the starter. That that was the word out of camp, and then he was, and he played 54 games on like the top team in the league, and he was really great. And now going into next year. I guess like part of me, the reason why we have him in 5A, which I'll just give it away, it's like 1As, but that might not have huge volume because their 1B might challenge them and get like a decent amount of starts. And I wonder if like, like why? Like why are we saying that? Like last year, Bob was the starter the whole time. He's still like locked in for a few more years with that big contract. And Spencer Knight is, even though now he's got a couple of years of experience, you know, he's still... A uh, young guy. He's only 21 years old. Is he really ready to challenge and play more? Like he played 32 games last year. Honestly, I could see him playing 32 games this year as well. And yeah, 
Florida maybe isn't as good. Like, you know, they've lost Mackenzie Weaker. Uh, you know, I wonder if maybe their defense won't be as strong. Uh, but I think I would probably put Bobrovsky like with Jack Campbell. You know, like I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to have Jack Campbell in a tier higher than Bobrovsky. So if you agree with me, I, I think we should move him up. Yeah, I do agree with you. I wonder if there's even a case for Bobrovsky to be in tier three. I'm not even kidding. Well, okay, no, let's not go is, too crazy. Okay, well, we had him in five A. We agreed with him there, so I think bumping him up so far, I that's that's a bridge too far I've at this him. particular moment. Yeah, but if I re-ask you the question uh who now two goalies finished above their expected save percentage in tier four Bobrovsky's the second and he actually finished uh even further above his expected number than Darcy Kemper did had a great season last year still on a great team still likely to get the starts I just listened to uh, Ben's interview with David Dwork for 32 Beats where David was basically saying, yeah, expect another year of Bob being number one. Knight is still being brought along, and he's not even in a timeshare situation yet. So I am a, I can't believe we didn't catch that sooner, Elon, but that's the beauty, right? We think about this, like we're constantly analyzing and reanalyzing <laughs> to make sure we've got this right. And I'm excited to get through the rest of the goalies in Bobrovsky's former tier, 5A shortly but not so shortly yeah okay by the way i'll just say the reason why i don't want to put bobrovsky higher is he is 33 (laughs) years old and he did like yeah he overperformed his expected blah 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 he's only 913 save percentage last year and he was 906 the year before so i don't want to just like say i'm like so confident in him but i'm confident enough to put him in tier four so yeah we've got him there yeah brian i think now is a good time we've talked about goalies for over an hour let's all take a break i want the listeners to you know have some you time uh, rest. I know we're getting stressed. We've got drafts coming up. We want to really crush it. But Go to kukupful.com, kkupfl.com. If you haven't registered yet, yeah, definitely want to take care of that. So take a break. Uh, and that'll be the end of part one of Schmore Goalies Board. But don't you worry, because part two should already be waiting for you in your podcast feed. So, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to going through tiers 5A through 9 and then X on uh, the next show, which we'll record very shortly. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'd appreciate a five-star review. If you want, you can follow us on Twitter at Kevin Carlson. What else we say? I'm not even going to play outro music, okay? Bye, everyone. Download part two. We'll see you soon.